Welcome to Agora by Give Something Back to Berlin. In this podcast series, we'll be finding out how migration has changed our urban landscape and exchange ideas with those who are making a difference. Join us while we tackle issues ranging from human rights and diversity to migrant identity and belonging. Hello and welcome back to Agora. My name is Marie, I'm your host for today's episode and I am joined by Hans Calvin, who is a social worker and team lead at the Refugee Department with Schwulenberatung Berlin. It's lovely that you're joining us today. Hi Marie. So when and why did you start offering services for LGBTIQ plus refugees in Berlin? Um, so I've been working for Schwulenberatung already for the last 10 years and um, working mainly with uh, gay men with psychiatric challenges before. And Schwulenberatung is offering a lot of diverse uh, services uh, to LGBTI people. Um, um, but up until the year 2015, we didn't have a specialized service that was directed to refugees. And we noticed more and more people coming to our other services um, and had to realize that we were not very well equipped to address those requests because there was language-wise but also um, different laws that were uh, uh, relevant uh, for those people that we needed to think of something more specialized. What specific problems do LGBTIQ plus refugees face in Berlin and how do you help them address those? Yes, there's a lot. Um, it starts um, with housing. Um, refugees who come to Germany are by law obliged to live in official refugee camps or shelters. And um, those shelters are not known to be very LGBTI friendly mm. places. So, and this is really how things escalated a bit for us in the year 2015 as more and more people uh, came to us reporting that they were experiencing discrimination, violence and many bad things in the actual uh, refugee camps. Mm. So that is one major thing, the housing and then there is psychological needs um, um, for trans people, it can be about hormones or there's just so many needs that other people have and that also other LGBT people have but then in the combination of trauma, different language needs and all that uh, it can be, be difficult even in a city as Berlin to just find your way and find the places that could address all those needs. So we're talking about the very specific needs of people of this community. What is specific about counseling mm -hmm. these people? What is specific? I think um, one major thing that comes to mind is that LGBTI people, or queer people, if we want to have like a broader term, often had as a strategy for survival, keep everything within and keep everything mm. hidden about all these subjects. about. Mm gender identity, sexual orientation, and suddenly, uh, be it in counseling or be it in the asylum interviews, they are asked to reveal all that all of a sudden. All of a sudden it's very important to come out, of, uh, come out with all these things and that can be a big challenge for people to make that jump all of a sudden. 
and um, of course the language uh, is, a, is a challenge for us to have sensitive language uh, translators um, helping us in our work and um, also a specific thing that I would say is compared to other refugees for queer refugees could also be that often these people cannot rely as much on family networks mm. and community networks from their own countries of origin often they had to run from that as well unfortunately. So you've already <coughs> mentioned the question of language barriers and language problems um, this is a thing that can keep refugees from making use of support systems and counseling services how do you help queer refugees address this issue? Mm -hmm. I think from the very start our idea was that we needed to have both people who knew know Schwulenberatung, our organization, and the infrastructure of the city of Berlin, mm -hmm. the German systems, healthcare, legal systems and all that, but also people who could understand what it means to be a refugee from their own experience and people who speak the languages themselves. So our team already itself is uh, um, organized in a way that we have both in the team. Mm -hmm. We have people who are, have known the Berlin infrastructure and we have people who are, are migrants or refugees themselves and bring certain skills and knowledge and empathetic approaches with them uh, by means of their own biographies. So already in our team we speak a lot of languages ourselves and we have also from the beginning built up let's say a pool of translators, first working voluntarily, then for a little money, then later some of the translators could even get a full-time employment mm. um, in the NGO, so this is how we, we do our work. So whenever we don't speak the language we have um, translators who mostly are uh, queer people themselves who help us uh, doing our work. So that I can be sensitive of the topics, but also of the vocabulary in general. Which exactly, exactly. So you already spoke, uh, you mentioned earlier that you offer a wide range of services. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. um, well, Schwulenberatung itself over the years has uh, developed all sorts of services like coming out groups and STI checkings and um, psychological counselings and assisted living and um, um, all these things. So, um, like I said, the refugee department kind of came last and on, on, on top and it's still a challenge for us sometimes mm -hmm. to actually open up all these other specialized services to queer refugees because not everywhere is the same language skills and knowledge of legal uh, uh, the legal situation so we are still in that it's a long process to because we want to enable queer refugees to not only have to rely to our refugee specialized services but to be empowered to just use whatever ever other service that they would like in the same way but that's still a work in progress a big issue is also mental health, obviously, and in general it's really difficult sometimes to get access um, to mental health support in Berlin and um, that can put especially vulnerable people at risk because um, if you don't, what, what you were saying, if you don't really know the structures, it's harder to, to get access to these things. Um, and so what steps do you think need 
um, need to be taken to provide help, especially for queer refugees. Mm, that's such a major, major uh, subject. And I must admit, like, over we're doing this work now for the last um, seven years nearly, mm. and still we don't have a, much, a lot of success in helping queer refugees into the general uh, system of psychotherapy and, and, and all that. Um, so there is a shortage of uh, freely available uh, 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 um, uh, uh, psychotherapy in general mm -hmm. already and in addition to that you need like a specialized like empathetic approach and skill and knowledge to also work with let's say trans people or non-binary people or even gay people and also have the ec extra hurdle of the language mm. gap this makes it nearly impossible. Most people don't manage to ever access that system. So, um, a good thing that we had from the beginning is that we have psychologists working within our project. Mm -hmm. So there it's easy, you don't need health insurance, you don't need all these hurdles to overcome them. So that at least we can offer like a stabilizing psychological support. And um, recently we have also managed to secure, to secure some financing to also prospectively offer psychotherapy mm -hmm. as well within the NGO. But all of that is still just very tiny, uh, the, the, what is available or increasingly becoming available, thankfully, is still tiny in comparison to the demand, which is so big. So I think there need to be, um, the bureaucratic challenges need to be lowered a lot still. It needs to be easy also for doctors and uh, therapists to offer their services and easily have translation available and not shy away from, oh my God, it's already so complicated yeah. now. Why should I take this patient if I have all this extra uh, work to do in advance? Um, so that needs to become easier. Um, and I think we need more uh, freely available uh, uh, services in Berlin in general. The bureaucracy on that front is very, very huge to even just, uh, for new therapists even to work independently and get a seat with the health insurance systems and all that. Um, and also what kind of therapy is even recognized by the health insurances, all that. I think is a long way uh, to go still. I mean, especially for queer refugees, obviously there are so many levels of mm -hmm. mental health issues that, um, that they have to struggle with, identity, racism, discrimination, um, also, and then just the, what you were addressing, like the bureaucratic hurdles that come on top of all of this, and a thing that has affected all of us in the last couple of years uh, mm -hmm. has been the pandemic, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, how has mental health been affected in your mind generally by the pandemic? and? Um, or do you have any tips uh, how to help those that are suffering from anxiety, for example, due mm -hmm. to the pandemic? Mm -hmm. Wow, it's, it's a big uh, question. It's a big question again, and, yeah. And I would say it's a bit like, I mean, I also don't want to... Um, it's not that queer refugees are like one uh, group where everybody has similar needs, you know? Same like with everybody else. So I have seen in my own circle of friends and I see it with our clients too. There are some people who are handling the pandemic situation pretty well mm. and others are really uh, 
challenged more than ever before. There is even people who find it easier to manage with like less social stress, mm. all, all the things that I could do or why I would have to be. So it really depends. Um, however, what I said before as well is like that often, especially queer refugees, cannot rely on the systems or established f systems on family or community that other people might be able to rely on in a situation like a pandemic situation. And a lot of our clients are somewhat isolated in refugee camps, in situations where if then on, if on top of that uh, community spaces, safe spaces that often are clubs and uh, yeah. bars also fall away, mm. that the isolation can really grow to a peak that is, becomes hard to handle. And um, the pandemic situation was also challenging in a sense that a lot of the offers and NGO offers also had to be closed mm. or um, the hurdles became bigger. For example, we were instructed to not really meet people or to meet people as little as possible mm. and to do mostly on video uh, counseling and all that and we quickly had to realize it doesn't work. To even find trust uh, to somebody that you yeah. see in a video screen or you are in an asylum shelter where you might not even have the privacy to speak about such intimate issues uh, into a camera. Um, so for us it was mainly to always find creative uh, ways to still be able to meet with people, be it outdoors, be it with on camera where it's possible, uh, but often we had to meet people in, uh, in live uh, settings. So I'm not a psychologist myself, so I wouldn't now have really have any tips on like what an individual could do to uh, deal with that extra level of stress mm. in a better way. I think it would really depend on the individual. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe that's what comes to mind now. Mm. Now we have another terrible situation at hand, which is the war in Ukraine. Mm. Um, what are the most pressing challenges for you there and for your line of work? Wow, yeah. <laughs> another big question. <laughs> it's also a very big question. And that is a question because I think we, really we are all so stressed out at the moment too, like just mm. as social workers and therapists and legal experts, because the situation is so highly dynamic and we don't really know. And that is, of course, especially hard for the refugees themselves who are in a state of confusion. I mean, the thing is now that legally it's not very clear when people can access what kind of help, in what way. Um, so the people coming from Ukraine at the moment are not encouraged to ask for asylum because they are applicable for another kind of humanitarian mm. protection, which in theory sounds great, but uh, from that to actually getting all the help that you need, medical uh, attendance and um, shelter and food and all that is very tricky. So for um, uh, queer people coming from U Ukraine, we have now a situation that we in a way know from other queer people coming to Berlin that has to do with this big hope or even conviction of being able to stay in Berlin. Mm. And that is a cause of a lot of heartache because once people access the system, and most have to access the system because their material survival depends on it, then they get into this kind of 
machinery of being distributed to all over the country. Mm. And uh, for many people that is a big problem, especially for queer people who then face being sent somewhere where there might not be much support, knowledge or empathy for the perspective of queers or refugees or never mind queer refugees. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're still in a phase of finding orientation and seeing what impact can we have and mm. what can we contribute to uh, yeah, affect people in a positive way and offer some sort of guidance and support. But it's, uh, it's mostly a big question mark. Still, we have translated our website into Ukrainian mm -hmm. uh, language and um, a lot of the people from Ukraine speak Russian uh, too. So we have the language uh, skills to meet that, but yeah. We have to see uh, where all of this goes. So what you were mentioning is um, for in, you have to register or be part of the system, um, amongst other things, to get access to healthcare. Mm. Um, what special needs have um, queer refugees mm -hmm. healthcare-wise? I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course, queer refugees have all the same medical needs everybody else has as well. <laughs> Um, and then there can be some special needs also, depending on the people. Um, I mean, especially trans people come to mind. Not mm -hmm. all of them, not all trans people want to, uh, for example, go, undergo hormone therapy or uh, even surgery. But many do. And for many it's an, uh, it's an existential need to mm -hmm. do that. And that also is a source of big frustration to many trans people who come mm. to Germany as refugees. Because already for, let's say, German-born uh, trans people, it's so pathologizing, I don't know if that word exists in English, and it's so highly bureaucratic mm. to get all these things, all these needs met, um, that as we mentioned before, for refugees with the extra language uh, barrier and also the asylum legislation doesn't allow people to access the full catalogue of medical interventions right from the start. Mm. So it's such a long stony road like to get yeah. to all these uh, get all these needs met. Um, but um, if people are lucky to be in a city like Berlin and to at least have access to NGOs like ourselves and others, there is some paths and um, um, where we are already have this network of empathetic and knowledgeable doctors, for example, mm -hmm. where we can guide people into the structures to get ahead with, with those needs um, as, as good as possible. Um, and um, of course um, then also kind of STI and HIV treatment and counseling and all that and to have access to that in a way that is not putting extra shame on people is, yeah. is a major uh, subject too and um, something that a city like Berlin can address pretty well actually. 
So you help people with all of these specific um, needs and services. Where are you located? How can people find you and gain access to these mm -hmm. services? Okay, Schwulenberatung has grown uh, pretty big. Uh, all our um, uh, services that are specifically uh, mm -hmm. addressing uh, queer refugees are in uh, Kreuzberg and uh, Wilhelmstraße 115. <laughs> Maybe you will put uh, can put a link to our website Google. here in mm -hmm. show notes or however that is called. Um, and there we have all our services for queer refugees in many different languages, mm -hmm. uh, where I think it's the easiest way for people to f find some orientation themselves and see which one does apply to them or could be interesting. So we have a signature question that we ask all of our guests, and it is, what does giving back mean to you personally? Mm -hmm. um, for me, what comes to mind is that I don't want to compare myself now to the, all the hardship that like, uh, queer refugee has to go through to come to Germany and everything that entails. But one thing that I think is typical for queer people all over, around the world is that we have always felt this pull to move to the big cities, mm -hmm. like this hope to find a place where we could also be more anonymous and kind of find our individual, uh, build our individual lives uh, and find the safe spaces and find the infrastructure that caters to us and our needs and all that. And I too come from a smallish town in Germany and uh, uh, yeah, Berlin could offer me all that freedom and to just express myself and be who I am and not worry too much and um, for me it's a great thing and social work and especially the kind of work that I'm doing now that I can a little bit contribute to people who have uh, those challenges plus many more to also find their home here and um, yeah just get permission to be who they are. Thank you so much for sharing this and also giving us a bigger insight into the work of Schwulenberatung today. Thank you.